This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. It's Tuesday, so it's the big picture with Investec Asset Management. And on the telephone now from Investec Asset Management in London is the head of multi-asset income, John Stotford. John, I think there's been a couple of very important data releases recently, UK inflation and also US inflation. Maybe we should start with US inflation. It's benign, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, in some ways, surprisingly so. So we're, you know, eight or nine years into an economic expansion. Unemployment is very low and inflation is, is falling, not rising. So I think that's a, a surprise and maybe even a bit of a concern for policymakers. And it certainly makes policy decisions uh, much more uncertain, more interesting, I think. Yes, it does. Do you think it took Janet Yellen by surprise? Because when she testified before Congress last week, she spoke about certain sectors of the economy where prices were coming down, notably mobile telecommunications. And the other one was pharmaceuticals, I think it was, which are things that we use every single day or most people use every single day. So she must be worried, especially with oil prices coming down. What's, What's her target and how far away is she from getting it? Okay, so they would like inflation to be 2% excluding, you know, volatile food and energy. At the moment, the the measure they look at is 1.4. And you're right, there are some elements in it, which they regard as probably transitory, i.e. one-off falls in a narrow area like telephone charges, which will reverse, you know, over the next 12 months. But I think their confidence in the transitory nature of the un- of the fall in inflation is weakened a bit because it's now been about four months in a row where inflation has surprised the downside. So, you know, they're getting to a point where, to some extent, they're prepared to look through weaker inflation, but their willingness to do so is beginning to lessen. And they would maybe like to see some signs that inflation is picking up before they next raise rates, which the market had been expecting to be December. And so unless we see somewhat firmer inflation over the next five months, there's a pretty good chance that we may be done in terms of rate increases this year. And if, it, if inflation remains benign, the market's actually pricing in very little in the future as well. UK inflation also not as benign, but certainly certainly very manageable, 2.6% because of the fall in, in oil price. Again, let's have a look at the Bank of England's target. Yeah, so the, again, I mean, most central banks target around 2%. I think the issue in the UK is the extent to which inflation is being driven by sterling yes. uh, and the extent to which that means that they can't really do very much about it and whether you know they should what they think about growth and what the implications of of that are for inflation. So our sense is that, I mean, they, they, along with most central banks, have become a little bit more hawkish. I think there was a meeting of the BIS a month or so ago where they all talked about, is it time to remove, begin to remove policy accommodation? Is it becoming less helpful? You know, is there a window of opportunity with better growth? Does it make sense to build in a bit of uh, room for the next cycle by removing some accommodation now? Is there a risk of you know, overstimulating asset prices and, and so on? So there's definitely been a bit of a change of, of noise coming from central banks, including the Bank of England. So the chief economist was talking about potentially needing to raise rates. Carney, who's been very dovish, 
Uh, Governor Carney was a little bit more two-way about it. But our sense is that there's still probably not enough of a consensus in, in the Bank of England to raise rates. And a lot of inflation is being driven by essentially the fall in the pound. And actually, that has some perverse or adverse effects for the economy. And, and Brexit as a whole is maybe um, you know, likely to cause something of a drag. So arguing for rate hikes in the UK, if they're going to do it, I think that window of opportunity is not going to be open for very long. Our sense is that they probably won't have enough of a consensus to do something. And then by the time they might have, the data just won't support it in the way it might do currently. BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, is the central bank's bank. And central banks have been in the news quite a lot recently. And there hasn't been a seismic shift, but there's certainly been some sort of a sentiment shift when it comes to central bank policy, whether it be the Bank of England, the US Federal Reserve or the ECB. Now, is there a chance that policy could decouple itself uh, from the traditional semantics or metrics that they look at, i.e. inflation? Could they say, well, inflation is under control, it's going to stay low, but we really need to stop this quantitative easing and almost go to a quantitative tightening stance? Is that possible? Or if inflation in the US, for example, keeps on dribbling lower, they'll say, well, no, we'll keep this accommodative stance until data suggests that we shouldn't. Our sense is that, that effectively what they've done is they've, they've decided to focus less exclusively on inflation and focus on a wider set of variables, variables particularly growth, but also sort of broader financial conditions and, and the risk of you know, asset price overheating. And so, you know, and part of that's, I think, a recognition that maybe they, they've got less control or less ability to influence inflation than they thought. And so by focusing exclusively on, on inflation, they're missing other other stuff that's going on. However, I think they can't ignore inflation entirely because it is, in most cases, part of their mandate. And in addition, the sense we get is that this change is quite slow moving. So the market got very excited when it first began to worry, OK, central banks are going to you know, switch off the QE tap and that's going to be bad news for equities and other markets because you know, they, they've, they've gone up on the back of central bank buying, central bank liquidity. Our sense is that, you know, yes, the Fed are going to begin to end reinvestment, but they'll do it gradually initially. They're not going to tighten policy too quickly. The ECB, we had a speech from the governor of the Bank of France and from one of the board members last week, and they both basically said that, yes, we're probably going to taper QE, but that doesn't mean we're going to turn the tap off entirely, at least uh, anytime soon. So I think there's been a bit of a reassessment in the last week or so, particularly, again, with US inflation. But although we're sort of you know, gradually turning, it's like a super tanker. The super tanker takes time for it to change direction. And to assume it's all going to happen very quickly is wrong. Ultimately, policy is going to become less accommodative, but it's not overnight. And so, you know, I think markets maybe overreacted initially. And for the moment, we're in an environment still where monetary policy is very loose and growth actually is pretty good. And so, you know, that's not a bad environment for many asset classes. Indeed, and it's not a bad thing for the euro as well, because if you look at the euro dollar suddenly, when everyone everyone and his dog was talking about the euro being at parity or 1 to 105, euro dollar exchange rate, that is, by the end of the year, here we are above 115, breaking out of a well-worn band. And is that – and the – the capital market also telling uh, telling us that there won't be more than maybe one more rate rise in the US this year. 
Yeah, so I think it's been coming. So the US dollar had a long period of, of outperformance, essentially driven by the US being out of sync with the rest of the world. So the US economy recovering faster and better from the financial crisis, policy beginning to normalize sooner. And now you've got other countries catching up. So I think some normalization or some closing of the gap between rates in the rest of the world and the US is, is quite likely. Some reappraisal of, of how the dollar should trade is quite likely. I, I think, though, you know, some of that's already now in the price. So at these kind of levels, I'm not sure that there's massive immediate upside in, in the euro beyond the sort of, you know, 115, 117 type area, because it's also currently pricing in a period of relative weakness in the US relative caution on the, the pass of the Fed, and, and maybe that's getting over, overdone a bit. And I think what determines it in the, meantime, in the medium term is, you know, is recent data in the weakness in the US going to persist? If it's not, then I think the dollar can, can come back a bit. If it is, then maybe the dollar goes further. And then the really big unknown is, does Donald Trump actually get his act together and, and pass some uh, stimulative tax measures, in which case maybe the dollar has one last uh, hurrah? Yes, maybe. Well, his record so far outside of the economy or the economy that we look at anyway, John, isn't particularly good as the Senate GOP health bill has collapsed overnight. And uh, I'm sure yeah, and I think that's part of that's part of why the euro's had another another leg. So uh, the expectations around Trump now are very, very low. So if he's going to surprise in any direction, it's probably actually that he's going to do a bit more than the market now expects. But I, I think it's not imminent. But it's certainly a risk towards the end of the year that actually the GOP and, and uh, Trump get their act together, at least in part. And, you know, that changes perceptions a little bit about the U.S. and the U.S. economy on a relative basis and helps the dollar. But it's a risk, I think, rather than the central case. But a lot of the, the mood and market pricing has now swung, you know, fairly convincingly the other way. So if, if there's a surprise, it's going to be in that direction. Final question. I spoke to your colleague in Cape Town, Michael Power, yesterday about the Chinese growth numbers that came out yesterday, 6.9% in the second quarter. How important is that to the world economy and all the things we've just spoken about? I think it's quite important. I mean, you know, Chinese statistics, there's always a, a fear or concern that they're sort of made up. They get published very quickly after the end of the quarter. So there's definitely, you know, not full data of, available. But, you know, I, I think if you look at lots of underlying pieces of data, we've seen a significant recovery in Chinese growth across a very broad front, particularly manufacturing and trade, which are very important for the global economy over the last sort of six to nine months. And that's partly why commodity prices have been able to recover. It's partly why generally I think we've had more of a synchronized upswing for the, for the first time in, in sort of six or seven years globally. And whilst that maintains some momentum, I think it's pretty good news. However, you know, the best of the sort of reacceleration we would argue is behind us. It's just how long we can sort of keep, keep momentum going for. And so our, our sense is it's good for asset prices and commodity prices and, and, you know, emerging markets and other things, you know, on, over the next three months, maybe six months, but it's going to fade at some point. And what's interesting, I guess, about, about this Chinese recovery versus the last one is they've been a bit more circumspect in terms of policy tightening. So it looks as though they might have learned. We have been through a bit of a boom-bust cycle in China. Maybe we'll get more of a sort of, you know, gradual soft, softening rather than a collapse. And that can't be bad news for the global economy, I don't think. John, thank you very much for your time. That's John Stopford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at Investing Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.